welcome to series three of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology. Our conversation gives us insights into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to relate to their stories. Here on Innovation, I give women a platform to be heard and seen, because this exact conversation is also in video format on YouTube. And honestly, every single episode that I record is inspiring and uplifting in some way, because we get to hear real life stories about what they've learned along their journeys, both personally and professionally. This week, I talked to biomechanical engineer, Megan Palmer. They called me Megan, Megan Palmer, but that's not who I am. That's just who it appears to be. Who am I is an ascended soul into this body, um, trying to align itself with its higher purpose. Well, Megan, you are like such an incredible woman with so many dimensions to you. And the reason why I am so thrilled to have you on this podcast, vodcast, whatever broadcast it is, um, is because you are a woman in STEM. And, you know, your dazzling beauty often, I think, distracts people from the fact that you have probably more brains than beauty, if that's... Uh, even possible. Um, and so I would love to hear about your journey as a woman in STEM. So um, first of all, like, what is your area of STEM expertise? Oh, I think there was a time when I would have introduced myself as a girl who is from Iran educated in England in biomedical engineering. I studied my PhD in biomedical engineering, then moved to America and uh, started my career in the media business. Had my own talk show on Fox LA where um, my goal was creating a platform to be the voice of the unheard women and to bring in experts, stories and companies and products that would support for women to live an authentic life and understand their purpose. But when you say the area of expertise, all I can claim, and it's not even a claim, is that I'm on a journey of understanding my own self, hoping that then I can understand the other. My area of expertise is wanting people to feel I don't know if it's an expertise. All I know is that it comes so naturally. And I think, and when something presents itself to me so intensely, I have no choice but to wonder that my purpose might be lying beneath that. And what comes to me more intensely than anything else in the world since the time I remember myself was wanting people to feel, wanting people to not be zombies in a body wanting their heart to be connected to their soul. And I think I can only help other women and help other people get there if I find a way to get myself closer to my higher self. And I'm discovering myself. I'm on that journey. 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of your content um, and you really um, have such a big heart. And I think um, you let that shine through because of a lot of the pain that you've been through and mm. a lot of the challenges that you've faced, which mm. we will get to. Um, but I'm curious because um, engineering in the UK and you mm -hmm. may have experience of this, is seen um, in a way that is not very um, welcoming to women. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why did you decide to study biomedical engineering? For my father. I was born in Iran and I had a lovely father who was a very open-minded man that wanted me to be liberated but when he sent me to England from Iran he did that because I was not a traditional girl who was able to abide by the laws of the Islamic Republic I was a free spirit I wanted to be able to express my femininity and be feminine I never believed in equality in a way that a man should be masculine or should you know, be an equal to a man. How can we be an equal to a man when women are the child bearers? I just wanted to be able to have my feminine expressed and not suppressed and be myself and interact with the other, whether it's a man or a woman. I didn't care, but that's not what it was. That was looked down upon in my country. So my father wanted me to live as who I really was, as a free spirit. So he sent me to England, but he asked me one thing. He said, Megan, everyone in the country is criticizing me for sending you to Europe. They're telling me that I'm not raising a good religious conservative girl that would, you know, fit within the structure of the Islamic country. So I need you to find a major, either a doctor, an attorney, or worst case scenario, an engineer. So then I can explain it to people that my girl has brains. That if she's not wearing a hijab, if, her, if she shows her, you know, feminine body, feminine face, feminine hair, and she wants to be herself, she's not looked down upon. So I can shield you. I can protect you with your education. And... I, having grown, like growing up as a woman in Iran and by default thinking that I should always take a back seat to a man, whether it's my father, my brother, or my future husband, I just said, absolutely. And I was so grateful because my father said, once you have that shield of education, then I can support you to pursue any endeavors that you want to pursue. And, and I did that. But he was supposed to be there and support me in my media endeavor while I get my PhD. But, well, before I was graduated, he passed away. And that was the moment that living for the other crushed me. Even though to this day, I struggle with the fact that I am very motivated by the other i'm motivated by other people regardless of everything that i'm teaching myself by following the rule book of putting yourself first you 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 i still 
am more motivated when I have the others around me. And my father's death taught me a big lesson that if you are choosing a path that is not authentic to you, but you're doing it for the other, you're going to pay a price. My price was that when I lost my dad, because my whole life was the way that I wanted to please him, I didn't know who I am. I had a rough idea of what I wanted, but sometimes what you want is far away from who you are because what you want is due to a mental image that you want to chase after is not what your heart desires or what's aligned with your true self. So that's why as much as I want to claim that I studied because I wanted to be an engineer because I wanted to do this and that truth is I did it because I loved my father so much. Mm. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps because I also chose engineering because my father's an engineer too. My father's an engineer too. Right. And, you know, it's funny because growing up, um, I often had people saying to me, you know, daddy issues, and, um, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, sorry, I'm like, we have to acknowledge your dog is around. Yes, yes, the little Scarlet. Well, today there was supposed <laughs> to be a babysitter looking after her, but she got sick. So life happens. There's a little tiny little white Pomeranian. You might see her in a little bit. Yeah, trying to get my attention. Right. But we are going to have this conversation anyway. Um, And we, well, I love dogs, so um, it will be a pleasure to see her. But yeah, I completely relate to what you're saying, because, um, you know, my greatest motivation has been to follow in the footsteps of my dad. And, you know, we both have um, engineers who are fathers. uh, our fathers and um and I just it's it's tricky because um growing up I had people saying to me um oh daddy issues and 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 those kind of judgmental comments um to describe my motivations for the things that I've chosen when I hear you describe um just even briefly um what has motivated you to make the choices you've made mm-hmm. in engineering um it it's just so beautiful that you wanted to do that for your dad mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't truly aligned with your authentic self because you're so much more than engineering um it's really beautiful that we have this part of us that, mm. you know, did something that is predominantly masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's amazing that you you followed that path. But there's also um, so much more to your story than, than engineering. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of pain um one of the things I was watching of your material was 10 years of pain that you just you know you described 
um, really trying to figure yourself out, you know, your 20s were full of just trying to unravel who the authentic you is. Um, how does that sort of like, can you sort of like summarize this journey of like following this educational path? Because education is so important for many of us in our early years. So how did it sort of like unfold? When I, when I moved to the U.S., I started pursuing a career in biomedical engineering, which was aligned with my education. Um, but a part of me always wanted to express myself as a feminine being. I entered my work environments and I saw that most super smart women with high educational degrees or um, high achievements in the business world are very masculine. And I realized that it's not them that are, that's masculine. It's a shield that women think they have to put on. It's a mask that they have to put on to be taken seriously. And that bothered me. That was not authentic to me. So I would go to work. Educationally, I was an equal to a lot of other uh, men and women there. But I was dressing very feminine. I was uh, showing, you know, I was always wearing my hair down. I was always a woman at work and my uh, demeanor always softer, always feminine, oh, being my authentic self. And then I remember one day the general counsel of that company I was with, who was a woman, pulled me to the side and she said, we don't care how many um, university degrees you have. If you show up and dress up like a model girl, no one's going to take you seriously. I said, what does a model girl mean? Am I not conservative enough? Am I showing too many body parts? Because I wasn't. And she said, no, it's just your attitude. It's just your, you know, you're just very, very soft, very, she didn't, she, I, she was trying to say the word feminine. She's like, very womanly. And I'm like, as I am, as you are. And then she said, yes, but you will see that you will get in trouble in the workplace. And she was right. I was getting criticized for looking feminine, for being soft. And I realized that us women um, have this misperception that in order to be taken seriously in the work environment, we have to step in our masculine energy and put a shield of masculinity on. As you can see, um, the top female leaders in the world when you watch their manners, when you look at the way they're dressed, it's not that feminine. And now I understand why, because they are probably under the impression that if they do look too feminine, they will get so criticized that nobody will take them seriously in the workplace. And I wasn't willing to bow down to that. You know, I had once followed my father's lead to please him, but nobody else in the world was as near and dear to my heart as my father to bow down to, to listen to, even, even though it, it felt inauthentic to me. So I refused. And as a result, about a couple months later, I lost my job due to this very reason that I mentioned to you. Back then, there was no 
Me Too movement. There was no discrimination. There was none of that. And I remember when I met with my attorney, the first thing I told them, I said, they have to define something that you can get fired from your workplace because you're a woman. And such a thing didn't really exist. Now, looking back many years after, I decided to carve out a path for women to express their femininity in the work environment they're in. I don't care if they're doctor, lawyer, model, doesn't matter. They have to be able to express their femininity without being scared, without needing to suppress themselves. And in the very, as you're, you're well aware, in a very male-dominated engineering industry, I decided to shed lights on this topic that women have to protect themselves under a masculine shield in the work environment and the strongest media platform to share that message is through the entertainment industry i decided that i can utilize the microphone of the entertainment industry to do good to help women not go through the pain i went through because when I followed my father's footsteps and he died on me, I had nothing left of me because there was no me. I had lived through him. And back to your point, when you say daddy issues, I wonder to myself, how can we, especially women of color, not have daddy issues when all we grow up with and all that is planted in our head is that your father is your king your brother is your king your future husband is your king and if you want to really live freely in the society you need the protection of a man i grew up having being under this misperception that i am nothing without my father that i am nothing without my future husband that i should always take a back seat to a man and i was born with a with this personality, fitting this personality into the box of taking a back seat to a man, that was a struggle. And when my idol, my father was no longer there, I didn't know who to follow. And for a while, I was looking for a replacement. Should it be a husband? Should it be a male friend? Should it be, um, I, you know, I found, uh, I was consoling myself by surrounding myself with a lot of gay men because I felt like they're men. They're the embodiment of the masculine energy. And, but, you know, they, but they also have, they, they have a healthy um, amount of feminine energy within them. So that was the best of both worlds because on the outside, I could still hide behind them. Look, there's a man that I'm taking a back seat to. I'm good. That was my comfort zone. Taking a backseat to a man was my comfort zone because that's all I knew. How could we not have the, the codependent issues to mm. a man? Has that been what the um, 10 years you describe, you know, in your 20s? Is that what the journey was to learn yes. how to not be codependent yes. on a man? Yes, because, you know, I grew, a good girl follows her dad. This is what I was told when I was a five-year-old. 
A good girl follows her husband. A good girl dresses in a masculine way in her work environment. And it was heartbreaking that this was not, this issue was not just limited to the Middle East. In the Middle East, we're told that we need to take a backseat to a man. Well, in America, I was being told that if I want to be taken seriously, I need to be more masculine in my work environment. Aren't those things almost the same? They are both, both those messages can be perceived as I should suppress my femininity. So it's the same message, but worded in two different ways. Um, and so I grew up being a good girl, following my dad's footsteps. And when he was no longer there, who was the replacement? And as a woman, we give birth to men. We are here to embrace men and support them and help them with their life decisions because women are more in touch with their emotions than men are. So if anything, we need to be a strong pillar for men to rely on us. Now, imagine I grew up thinking that it's the other way around and now my father is no longer there and I'm looking for that masculine pillar to rely on and I keep falling, landing on my face like landing on, I kept falling down on my face. That's maybe the best way to put it into words. Because every time I was about to lean on a man, soon I would realize that the one who needs to lean on the other is the man needing to lean on me. Or for us to move side by side. Because in the end of the day, oh us humanity us as human beings in our best situation can stand on our own feet let alone being a pillar for another and even if we are to be a pillar for the other it needs to be mutual because we need to lean on them and they can be able to lean on us because we all stumble and fall as a human being that's the limitation of the world of form and it took me 10 years to understand that the pillar is within myself. The pillar is not anything on the outside world. And understanding that I can still be a pillar, yet being anchored in my femininity. And that's freedom. That's equality. Equality is a woman being able to express her femininity as free as a man can express his masculinity. That's all there is. Women are not supposed to become more masculine. Men are not supposed to become more feminine. If it's authentic to them, sure. But equality doesn't mean for men and women to step into their masculinity so the society will accept them more. Screw that. Who wants to live like that? It wasn't authentic to me. And I was not going to bow down. I bowed down to my father once and that was enough. Yeah, it's amazing to hear your strength um, because I really resonate with everything that you're saying. And I come from a Southeast Asian background. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so interesting, the kind of subordination and the early programming that mm -hmm. men should be put on a pedestal. Correct. So really relate to that. Um but what's so incredible is that you are um, 
very much, um, how do I say it, kind of like trending because of your Iranian background and what's been going on in the news recently. Um, and it's so, the strength that I hear from you um, is so timely because with everything you've gone through and everything you've learned about yourself and the pain of losing your dad um, has all come together at a time where people are finally willing to actually listen to you. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. women have been screaming the messages that you're screaming for mm -hmm. so long. And it's just fallen on deaf ears. So it's like incredible that everything you're saying resonates with me um, mm -hmm. and probably resonates with so many other women who were never heard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I guess what I want to know from you is how did you keep going? Because um, like, for example, when I had my first job, when I, after I graduated and I was in the engineering industry, you know, I was doing um, fluid dynamic simulations and modeling. And I remember one guy said to me, so what kind of modeling are you doing today? CFD or, you know, and, and it was like, I, I was really, you know, as a graduate, I was so aware of my womanliness mm. and really tried to downplay it. I guess my question is to you, like, when did you feel that you didn't have to downplay it? Have you always just been outspoken or was there a time when you were like, I can sing, I can like finally use my voice? Hmm. Well, I tried my hardest to suppress my femininity and my voice, but I never succeeded. I wasn't able to, no matter how hard I tried to suppress myself, I just couldn't. The voice within me was so much louder than my ability of muting it. So I found a coping mechanism, which was to always hide behind a man. So I can, when I'm at university and I'm getting the same uh, criticism, I would call it, because I, I also studied a biomechanical engineering that's that was my specialty and i was doing running simulations and modeling and as you can imagine i remember being told by one of my um colleagues at the laboratory that megan you know i think you're very non-linear so that was the best way that that was the most scientific way they could have described my personality so i decided okay as long as i'm protected by a man so if i always have a man by my side then I can protect myself that this is why I'm feminine, but look, there is a man next to me. If you need, I can just call and get his permission. And I kept, as I told you, I kept failing because any man that I relied on would at some point leave me hanging because they didn't have the strength within them to be the masculine that I needed within myself. 
Because what I really needed is to be comfortable with the masculine energy within myself, knowing that if I need it, I can step into it instead of looking for the embodiment of the masculine outside of myself. Because as long as you're waiting for somebody on the outside to fill your cup on the inside, you're always running on empty. And that was my story with any man, whether it was my amazing brother, whether my gay friends, or whether any man that was, had an interest in me, every time I would rely on them, eventually they would collapse because they are just another human being. And I went through one collapse after another. And in my uh, cycle, it was just my father would die again and the masculine dies again. And then I was going through this, the, this story and the, underlying pattern of my life was that the masculine always dies on me the masculine always leaves me hanging which can manifest itself into what you call abandonment issues daddy issues insecurity issues and one day i was like oh my god it seems like there is no man out there that i can really rely on that would not collapse and there wasn't different nationalities different um uh, Groups in the society, different uh, masculine energy, gay or straight, or young or old, they all collapsed on me because they're just another human beings like I am. And I realized that I'm running out of options, that my choices are either to keep relying on the masculine on the outside and falling on my face, landing on my face, or somehow finding the masculine within me, which should only be activated when needed. Not always. I am a woman who is more comfortable and feels more co confident when I'm in my feminine. That is where I feel the most anchored and most balanced in. And I refuse to do what's not authentic to me because I suffered so much. But now I finally, I have finally been able to find the masculine energy within myself, which I do step into if and when needed. And after 10 years, I realized that at this rate, I'm going to end up always landing on my face. And I wasn't willing to do that to myself. I wasn't willing to do that to that joyful feminine within me that was so traumatized. But it was there. I knew it was there. I just needed to polish it up and bring it outside of being buried underneath layers of trauma. And I did that. I did my research to see how I can heal myself, how I can heal my traumas. I got help from experts. I got, I read I wrote, I journaled, I talked to people, I talked to experts. And here it is. She's back. <laughs> She's out. I tell you, um, I think, you know, we need to let what you're saying land because um, as you speak, you are speaking such a language of the heart and it's really... Um, resonating so strongly with me because um you know I'm a woman too that's been very much um subordinated by a very patriarchal world and system and society 
Um, and you're saying things in a way that I really understand, but have never allowed myself to express. Um, it's time, sister. Totally, totally. Um, and it's really, there's so much going on in my mind right now because, you know, I lived in LA for five years and, um, you know, I'm British and the way we do things in the UK is very different to the way things are done in the US. And I really felt that contrast. Um, so I'm kind of processing that at the moment because we are, we have a very different attitude towards mm -hmm. women, particularly in STEM in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, America is so much more advanced on that front. Um, mm -hmm. But in some ways, not. Um, and I don't want to get into political discussions, but like um, when you talk about masculine and feminine energy, we're talking about the subjects that are described by the words equality, diversity, inclusion, you know, inclusion of every part of ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. we all have a masculine side we all have a feminine side and everything in between those mm -hmm. polarized points you know and and it's so um it's when we talk about finding the masculine side of ourselves we're not talking about being men in drag which is what i felt when i first went into the engineering industry i felt like all women the very few that were in the industry at the time felt like they had to be men in drag. You know, mm -hmm. they were so like, hardened and cold. And, and I just didn't know, I didn't know what to be because I remember in a sort of romantic situation, a guy telling me, my God, you are so masculine like and then going to work and being told you are so feminine and you know as a 20 something year old not knowing what I should be when and then kind of learning how to be a chameleon you know <laughs> and now at you know 20 years later I'm now in a situation where um I just want to be me because it's exhausting trying to figure out who to be in a situation. And we're living in an era where being yourself is actually embraced more than it's ever been. So it's like, um, you know, but I think even today we still face judgment. And so it's like, you know, one of the things that I'm really conscious about your persona is that people see your beauty first before they even bother to put time into seeing your substance um does that bother you yes it does it does bother me, but it also made me think that maybe that is my chance. Maybe looking like a girl 
is an opportunity for me to get to be heard because sometimes people approach us just because we are a woman and we look a certain way they have no interest in knowing who we are they're only interested in the fact that we are biologically a woman after fighting it for many years and suffering about this subject I realized that I can, that maybe being a woman is my opportunity to be heard as long as I manage it correctly. So if someone approaches me for looking biologically like a woman, maybe I can get into their ear to listen to me for a second. If I have enough substance to offer, it, and all I can offer in this world is my heart. I don't have anything else. But if I do a good job in sharing my heart, at sharing my heart, that's an opportunity to be heard. Maybe the person who approached me, they think they're approaching me because I'm a woman. But in reality, maybe I can be of service to them by sharing a piece of my heart that can resonate with them. Maybe I can make them feel, maybe femininity can, like maybe I can use my femininity towards making others feel something within themselves. So they would wonder about, maybe there's more to them than they thought there is. And at this point, the focus goes back to themselves instead of on me. So I think femininity and womanhood can be a great tool to help humanity. I think the softness that we have naturally within us is the opening humanity needs to feel something, to have their thick ego crack so the light can come in. Yes. Um again, as you're talking, the the words that were really um, screaming out to me is insecurity. Mm-hmm. Every time I am in a very masculine, uh, intellectual, kind of industrial situation, mm-hmm. all I feel is insecurity. You know, I, I feel the insecurity of people trying to prove how smart they are. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about my heart is all I have to give, the egotistical side of the argument would be, no, but what about your brains? You've got a PhD, you did biomedical engineering, you know, like you've got all of this smartness and cleverness to offer the world. And it's like... Mm-hmm. No, but what what supersedes that is your heart and nurturing and love and creativity and all these very feminine notions, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's feminizing an area of humanity that has become very masculine can only be a good thing. And that's why I am so 
all for equality. You know, I'm not saying let's make um, science and technology and engineering more feminine. I'm saying, can we just make it equal? Can we take gender discussions off the table? You know, why has it become so much more masculine? Why can't we talk about nurturing and being caring in an industrious kind of setting? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just hope, you know, people watching this, seeing two qualified engineers talking about their heart Mm -hmm. and what they feel gives other women permission to use Mm. this kind of language that has never really been used in these um sort of academic and 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 patriarchal situations um can i to set the context ask you what your ambitions are yes but before that i want to talk about to different matters based on what you were talking about. You were saying that when we as women are at the table, there's always this competitiveness of showing off our brains and, you know, our education. And I know more and I read this book that you didn't and I got this PhD and, you know, I got this master's degree and I wrote books and I did all that. But what is academia what is a master's degree what is a phd what is a bachelor degree a man-made curriculum designed by humanity so it's humanity repeating what humanity has created but that is not that can't just be our value that's something that we learn that we acquire but what about that connectedness to the source because in the end what new materials, new discoveries, new inventions cannot come from humanity. It can only come from the source. And it can be channeled only and only through the source if we keep the heart open and pure. So I realized that perhaps instead of competing over who has a higher educational degree or who has read more books, Maybe we can begin to offer one another our connection between the heart and the soul or consciousness or the God or whatever you call it. It's not about that. It's about that message that comes directly from somewhere that you don't even know. You didn't read it in any books. You don't know it academically. You, don't, you didn't study that school, but you just know it. That is what I'm talking about because, listen, At this point in the world, humanity doesn't need to share more education. They need to share more wisdom. And wisdom comes directly from the source and can be communicated through the heart. Now, speaking of the polarities, I think when the soul descended into the physical body, into the world of form, The biggest challenge that humanity was faced with was the apparent biological separation of the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. 
And the evolution of our spirits can only happen once we realize that we have both the masculine and the feminine within ourselves. So it's not on the outside. It's all on the inside. And we're all wholesome. So instead of chasing after a lover to complete us, once we find the beautiful balance of the masculine and feminine within us, and we are wholesome, then we get this opportunity to resonate on the same vibrational frequency of another wholesome being. And God, that unity is beautiful. That's the unity of two complete souls. That's delicious. Now, back to the question you asked me, Say it again. Let me expand on that because um, I just want to thank you so much because everything you're saying just gives me permission to just fully accept what I've felt in my heart, which you are saying out loud. Mm. Um, you know, my parents are Buddhist, um, and so I've kind of been raised in that philosophy of meditation um tuning in to a force greater than ourselves and i've always graduate gravitated towards people that tap into that source um it's funny living in la um i was part of a meditation group and um, there are a few physicists in that group. And it's interesting when you learn about the research being done at CERN, where they're trying to find the God particle and they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, so and it's like, okay, fine. You'll find the smallest particle. You find, you'll find where it all started. And then what? You know? So there's still always further to see you know, mm. to feel. And I love that you're talking about that because it is so essential. And that is where innovation springs from and creativity and, and, and taking rather than, as you mentioned, constantly grabbing for answers on the outside to actually turn our gaze inwards, which is what meditation is all about and, and find that unity and that wholesomeness within is is so powerful you know mm -hmm. and uh yeah so just you talking about it just gives me permission to kind of bask in the the the, the powerfulness of all of that you know yeah. speaking of unity recently I realized something about why unity has been taken away from us as human being. Unity was taken away from us as the ego was inflated more and more within humanity. Because we, as human beings, are under this false impression that the other can hurt us. And therefore, we need to protect ourselves from the other 
and we need to create a shield and step farther and farther away from the unity and go into separation. I used to feel really heartbroken every time I would feel hurt by who I thought was the other. But I realized that when I feel hurt, it's not the other. It's the hurt within them that's reflecting on me because I'm in their proximity. As if somebody is bleeding and if you're in their proximity, the blood can get on you. But then how can you get upset if you know that it's their blood, it's their pain, their hurt that is just reflecting on you? How can you? They are bleeding. They are hurting. If anything, that feeling of being hurt is an opening for you to understand how it feels to walk in their shoes. It's your opportunity to understand their perspective. Then how can you feel upset by them? How can you feel vengeance towards them or want to take revenge? If anything, you can't help yourself but wanting to give them a Band-Aid. Whether they want to use it or not, it's their choice, but it's also your choice to give them a Band-Aid or not. And now I still feel heartbroken when I get hurt by the other, but I no longer feel heartbroken for me. I feel heartbroken for their pain and the hurt within them that reflected on me. That's about empathy, isn't it? And not taking, because uh, one of the traits that women tend to have is that we're always apologizing and we're always taking responsibility for everyone's shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to me, what you're describing is this ability to not see other people's insecurities as your fault mm-hmm. and to actually rise above it and have empathy for other people's suffering and to use it as an education to mm-hmm. become more powerful as a woman mm-hmm. and I think during my 20s and 30s I used to think that everything that was going wrong or didn't work out or you know just wasn't going the way I had planned was my responsibility Mm -hmm. when actually that's a very self-centered egotistical way to see the world um actually as an empowered woman Mm -hmm. things that don't go your way are an opportunity to grow to learn Mm -hmm. and to redirect your thinking Mm -hmm. so that you're always winning Mm -hmm. you know and that Mm -hmm. can be really hard when you're in the middle of pain or a challenge Mm -hmm. but you know when they say that pain is an opportunity for growth like I really I really um I really believe that um gosh I I say that with like so much trepidation because you know no one wants to invite pain um 
But, you know, when, when I listen to you, I really do see um, a blade of grass that is able to grow through um, cracks. You know, like when you have pavements that have been put down and then uh-huh. there's a blade of grass that manages to just grow through. Yes, yes, yes. I see that quality in you because with all of the things that I believe you've experienced in your life that have been designed to keep you suppressed mm-hmm. and squashed and small and diminished, you've still like bloomed despite all of that. And it's really what I think women have the power to do if only they would just let themselves blossom yes and it back to what your comments about how us as women can feel guilty at times for the shortcoming of others i don't know how to say this so it won't get be perceived wrong but i know our sisters around the world they know how much i love them and that i'm a woman And my softest spot in my heart is for women. So have that in mind. And let me tell you something. Yes, as women, we do feel guilty for the shortcomings of the others. And we usually think it's our fault. But I'm beginning to realize that it perhaps it is because... Men come from women. Women embodies mother nature. Women embodies life. Life comes from women. Life emanates from women. So if women are awakened and aligned with their authentic self, men have no choice but to step into their authentic self because if a woman doesn't settle for a man that is not connected to his heart who is not aligned with his authentic self men would have no choice but to rise to the occasion to grow to mature up to evolve so i do think the shortcomings of the world fall on the shoulders of women that are not stepping into their power and authenticity. I do. I'm blaming us for not waking up to our power until now. I'm blaming us for not taking ownership and leadership of this world. I'm blaming us, women, for this world to be in this completely separated position where every part of the world is right now in in turmoil and pain because if women were to step into their power if women were to take leadership if women were to understand that they are born to rule the world yes others would have no choice but to transcend their shortcomings so the fault is on us for not waking up to our power. That's why 
my mission in this world of form is to work on waking myself up so by default i can help others i can hold the hands of my other sisters who are scared to wake up to their power we all know it's within us we're just scared of acknowledging it because for years and years the masculine forced us to suppress that power within us because it's so powerful that they're scared of it not knowing that once women are awakened to their power and their purpose then they can help men wake up to their power and the shortcomings of the world will fade away because how can we as humanity deal with shortcomings if we do evolve ourselves if we are committed to not doing anything that's not authentic to our hearts the world will have no choice but to become a better place if women awaken to their authenticity and purpose yeah i i feel like women just want to love and they want to feel safe to love and maybe one of the reasons why they haven't fully stepped into their power as yet is because they haven't felt safe to do that and by you speaking up today you are opening the path for other women to speak up to feel safe to love because i just i i honestly feel like we just want to generally do good in the world take care of our planet you know to nurture and create and and be fruitful mm-hmm. um and as you say we've just been scared into being able to do that we just have not felt secure enough safe enough stable enough to be able to do that um but it does start with conversations like this mm-hmm. to be able to just you know brick by brick pave the way to a world that is balanced and equal in its power between men and women so <clears throat> It's been so enlightening um speaking to you. It feels very um meta our conversation. <laughs> it feels like it was like on another plane. Um I don't know if you felt that but um yes. I to any sort of young girls who are kind of just starting their life journey of self discovery and self um realization um particularly in stem you know because i think science and technology and innovation can be extremely empowering mm-hmm. um you know it's just such an advancing space you know um what advice would you have for those kind of young girls um who are looking at you thinking wow i want to be like her one day Actually, I think the most useful part of my heart that I can share right now is a message for men. 
this time I need to have a word with men. I want to ask the embodiment of the masculine energy in the world. Let's say I want to ask the men of this world to create a space where the feminine energy can be expressed fully with no censors, with no suppression. That's all the feminine is asking for. Empower that. Respond to that request. Your world will become a much better place once you allow and create a space for the feminine to express itself. And I think the more men evolve and step into their authentic self, by default, those beautiful girls that are listening to us will feel the space to become who they truly want to be and feel safe to express their beautiful feminine beings. I mean, 100%, you know, 100%. Because I think any woman listening to this um, is really harmonizing with what you're saying. And it's true, we do need to change masculine attitudes to really embrace who we are as powerful beings. Megan, it's just been so amazing to get to spend time with you. You're a true inspiration and keep doing what you're doing because you are one powerful force. Thank you. And thank you for creating a platform for women to express their voices. This is what we need right now. We need more women like you to host conversations for women to step into their authenticity and purpose. So thank you for fulfilling your purpose and helping the voice of the unheard be expressed. Thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> Thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery, self-evolution and inclusivity on innovation. Let's all strive to be in the best versions of ourselves and celebrate others being themselves too. As always, be kind and loving, and I wish you all a great week.